I think the sports sector is recession resistant. At the end of the day, maybe you don't go to the extra game, but overall, it is a low cost form of entertainment, especially consuming it via TV or mobile, etc. It is just very central to our identities and our interests. Welcome to Lion Tree's 2023 Outlook series. I'm Laura Clinton with Kindred Media, and this year we'll be presenting sector-specific overviews from our Lion Tree managing directors, leading up to the January 17th release of Lion Tree founder and CEO Arya Burkov's annual Outlook interview with Public Markets lead Leslie Mallon. We're here with Alex Michael, co-head of Lion Tree Growth and leading our sports advisory and investment team here at Lion Tree, also focusing on industries like media, audio, and tech. You talk a lot about three big trends in sports for 2023, but taking a step back, why is Lion Tree involved in sports at all? And what is the role of media and technology for the future of the industry? Great questions, Laura. Uh, well, sports is a significant part of the media and increasingly tech landscape. So I think it's very difficult to ignore sports if you're going to be at the center of the digital economy, which is really what Lion Tree is trying to do. So sports is a very key sector as it pertains to that. And so we do spend a lot of time there. In particular, we spend a lot of time where the media and tech converge in the sports tech element of sports versus perhaps some of the team and league type situations, although I could see that being something in the future we do spend more time on. But we really want to be around interesting ideas and great relationships. And sports are a core element of the media ecosystem. And that's why we've had a focus since really day one on sports as a category. And of course, with a legacy in cable and broadcast and video here at Lion Tree, sports has been a dramatic part of the cable bundle for a decade plus now and is very much a part of the streaming future. And so it is a very important area for us to pay attention to. Streaming rights for sports has been incredibly competitive over the past year. So I'm curious how you see this evolving in the next decade and how traditional media companies and tech companies are going to be competing for those streaming rights. Well, I'll answer that, but taking a step back, you mentioned three themes, and I think that dovetails with one of them, which is the increasing growth and value of teams and leagues and sports properties. And underpinning that is the value of the live video rights, that this has been and will continue to be appointment viewing, whether you are in fact doing that on linear, on broadcast, or now on streaming. There is no reason for us to believe that that's going to abate anytime soon. And that's why you continue to see rights escalated up to the right. I think something like $60 billion of media rights this year in the U.S. alone across all sports properties and continuing to grow. We see that as a continued tailwind. And of course, as media rights grow, so do player salaries, so do team values. It's sort of at the core of all of this. We don't have any reason to believe that, especially with big technology players coming into the fold, like Amazon, like Apple, that we will continue to see that interest and ultimately growth in the rights value. So streaming is a core element in the future, but in many ways, it'll look a lot like the past where live sports will be an essential part of the successful platforms. You did speak recently at Sports Business Journal's Dealmaker Conference, and you noted that you believe there's going to be more global interest in leagues like the NFL and MLB. 
So what is your long-term view on sports and leagues going global, like what we're seeing right now with the World Cup and with F1? The beauty of sport, it is a global endeavor. Now, obviously, different parts of the world have different sports that they care more about. Soccer seems to be one of the great unifying endeavors of the entire planet. But you have massive interest in all sorts of properties, whether it's American football and baseball here, that's very much localized, although the NFL in particular seems to be growing its boundaries, cricket, tennis. It's just a language like math that everyone can share and can really embrace. And it speaks to our tribal identities. There is no reason to believe that won't persist. It's gone on for decades and centuries. And that's why I'm very bullish on the outlook. I don't think all sports are clearly created the same, but technology is enabling us to uh, tap into our passions that previously maybe we couldn't have in terms of finding the sports we care about that we participate in, that we get to watch. And so that's why another one of those top three themes, the second one beyond just the core sports growing in value is the growth in more up and coming properties, whether that's things like mixed martial arts, although that's been around for 30 years with UFC, but there are up and coming properties there to things like drone racing league, to pickleball, to women's sports. I think it has never been easier to find your audience and find different ways to monetize that audience. And so I remain and continue to be very bullish in not just the core sports globally, but also lots of up and coming properties. Because at the end of the day, it's just great IP. It's great storytelling. I think we're really experiencing this moment where technology and the creator economy have really interconnected all different facets in all different industries. And I'm curious, in your view, how the creator economy has transformed the sports industry. When you say that question about the creator economy, I think of, frankly, in this context, athletes as the foremost creators, if you will, by virtue of the fandom of the sports they're in, by the teams they play for, or the individuals they are in the sports they play in, that they have found a way in our new technology and social media to create massive audiences where people in some cases care more about the players than they do the team or the sports. I think another absolutely burgeoning wave is the success of big athletes creating value well beyond the sport they play in or getting paid for ways that aren't just throwing a ball or hitting a ball or whatever it is. I think them as the avatar of creator economy for sports, I think it's a very strong trend and one that will keep building, I think of Serena Williams, I think of Peyton Manning, I think of LeBron James, like being able to have such a 360 approach to their brand and to their interests and finding new and exciting ways to monetize that interest and grow their audience, I think is here to stay. And the creator economy tools that YouTubers are using or other people are the same that these athletes are doing, but just have this massive scale built in by virtue of what they do. And it's getting younger too, by the way, with the NIL breakthrough in college and collegiate players being able to get paid and then down to high school, there's never been a better time that if you have a following, uh, finding ways to monetize it and grow it. So I, I think the creator economy is a powerful part of sports for sure. How do you view the relationship of NIL rights within the broader package of sports media rights and streaming rights and that kind of thing? Name, image, and likeness is what NIL stands for. The idea that ultimately college players and me and potentially high school have an ability to monetize and letting them monetize is a powerful trend and one that probably is justified in a free market system. It's early. It's a nascent area. And I think it will absolutely be similar to, I guess, pro sports in that you will have a top tier of people who break through that are important, that monetize way more than the vast majority 
but it's nice that even at the tail, at the long tail of it, that some people will make some money that they maybe wouldn't have and can help with their college careers. So it's early days. I don't think it will necessarily be so, so massive, but it's still too early to tell. And it'll take a bunch of different shapes and forms. And there's some interesting platforms that are emerging to help athletes manage that. On that point of monetization, this was a big year for sports betting. So what are your predictions for sports betting heading into 2023? And where do you think that will be in a year? Laura, I think that we're at an interesting phase here where you're starting to see some maturity, at least in the U.S. I think you're in the adolescence. Uh, someone gave me a stat at lunch that total handle is maybe 50 billion or so, 60 billion currently or in the near term. And the long-term opportunity here is 300 billion in terms of handle, not revenue. So there's a ways to go. And there's obviously new states that will come online and legalize it will help grow the TAM. Do I think it's going to be as big as perhaps people thought in the earliest, wildest dreams of this? Probably not, but it's still a brand new, massive category. As you enter this adolescence phase, what we are witnessing is a couple things. One is a need to do this profitably at some point, which is very difficult given how expensive it is to acquire customers. And so something has to give there. There probably has to be rationalization in the number of players and a consolidation so that you can have a few bigger, stronger, hopefully more profitable endeavors as it pertains to sports betting. So I think that's a major theme to watch. And then also, how do you not only acquire customers, but engage customers? This confluence of betting meets sports, media meets ticketing meets memorabilia, just the idea that there are multiple ways to serve the same fan. Some of the best companies, I think, will crack that nut more and more. And certainly, we just invest in fanatics. There are certainly one player who's looking to do that. But there are many others. So I think this confluence of media, e-commerce, betting, ticketing, it'll start coming. Maybe this won't be the year, but it'll start getting closer and closer, all in an effort to try and make the customer acquisition much more efficient and ultimately on the whole business more profitable. Do you think the sports sector is recession resistant? I do. I think the sports sector is recession resistant. There will be elements that will come under some fire or at least some reduction in interest. At the end of the day, maybe you don't go to the extra game or you sell the ticket that you would have kept or you don't buy the extra baseball card, etc. So there'll be softness in places. But overall, it is a low cost form of entertainment, especially consuming it via TV or mobile, etc., historically, there hasn't been that abatement of interest during down periods. So I would expect the same going into whatever we go through. It is just very central to our identities and our interests and how people behave here, at least in the United, but really globally. So I think it will remain very strong and resilient. So just shifting to a bit of a different note, everyone is talking about AI. Are you seeing any applications of that technology within the sports industry that you find really compelling? Yeah, I think AI is definitely the term of 2023. You know, sort of Web3 crypto was 2022 and 21. I think AI is the buzz and it will influence everything. I believe in that. Who knows what forms it takes? But I think there's some very strong and interesting application in sports, but is how we track players and talent and things from identifying athletes to draft, moneyball concepts meet AI to tracking player health and recovery and just overall baseline of health statistics. So I think those areas between talent identification, recruiting, health monitoring, that seems to be a great use of AI. Back to what we talked about in terms of the fan graph, understanding and identifying fans and helping serve them and 
engage with them, whether it's customer service or selling opportunities, I think AI can be an influence there. So I think it'll push a bunch of different areas in sports and why shouldn't it? It's a big sector and one that there's a lot of consumer passion, but still early as to if any dominant standalone platforms will come from it or it'll just be infused in the things we're doing and just do it at a better level. If you had to make one more prediction for 2023, what would it be? I think esports will have a bit of resurgence. It's gone through its lull of after the big boom and everyone trying it and being like, well, it's not the same as sports, but it's not intended to be sports. And I think there'll be renewed interest, whether it's this year or in the near future, in terms of what it actually is, which is younger audiences wanting to watch people play games, not necessarily about them competing. That switch of mentality and that's what that applies in terms of monetizing it is an important distinction and so i think it's been ridden off a little bit or at least the luster's lost but i do think it'll come back we shouldn't if we're talking about a decade you have to pay attention to the fact that the biggest sports in this country have a growing audience and they are the people who support the cable and broadcast more than anyone and it's just not the way younger audiences want to behave and interact with those sports or just in general and they want to find new sports so each sport is different but i do think you have to pay attention to the fact that there is a big chasm between who is consuming and paying for sport today as we know it versus generations to come and i think we will see an evolution and a change in some of the biggest sports thanks again for listening be sure to tune back in on January 17th to hear Lion Tree founder and CEO Arya Burkov's annual Outlook interview with public markets lead Leslie Mallon. Available everywhere podcasts are found. Mm-hmm.